someone came in this house battling with anxiety and depression. Lord, someone came in this house with a simple question, Lord, how am I going to make it? Lord, what shall I do? But Lord, your presence is here and your anointing is here to destroy the yoke. Lord, your presence is here to heal the wounded, Lord. Lord, your presence is here to mend the broken heart, Lord. Lord, your presence is here to give us purpose and direction. Lord, your presence is here to teach us to have faith in you, even despite our circumstances. Lord, your presence is here to give us hope in the midst of confusion. Lord, your presence is here to give us that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, for we know that the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. Direct us and teach us today on the Lord, today, Lord. Lord, give us purpose today, Lord. Guide us in your way, Lord. And we shall not be hurt, Lord. We shall not be ashamed, Lord. And Lord, we're not going to leave here in the same manner that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. Put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody just going to open it up for you to testify on this morning. Just point at somebody and say, I know God is good. Hallelujah. Now, find somebody else. Just point at them. Look at them in the eye and say, I know God is good. I know for myself that God is good. That is my testimony. I didn't say my life is perfect. I didn't say I'm not going through anything. I'm not saying all my situations and circumstances have been worked out. But I'm telling you, despite it all, my testimony is that God is. I wish I had help here. God is good. I, I'm struggling a little this morning, but God is good. I might not feel in my body the way I want to, but God is good. Everything in my life is not perfect, but my testimony to the devil is that God is good. He's good. Despite everything, my God is good. I need you to get that in your spirit. Job was able to say it even while his boils were on his body. Even though his children had just died. Even though everything that he had possessed had gone up in flames. His wife was, was leaving him and walking out on him. But, David, but yet Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. All my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. No matter what I'm going through right now, I'm giving God all the glory. I'm giving God all the praise because he's worthy. Hallelujah. He's yet worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Well, saints of God, we're going quickly to the word of the Lord. We're going to 1 Corinthians 13. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. And then we'll look again at verse 13. For some of us, this may be a familiar passage of scripture. But again, that's 1 Corinthians 13. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8 and then again at verse 13. Certainly, we're grateful to God for each of you who joined us this morning. We praise God for you. For those who joined us in person and for those who joined us virtually, we say we praise God for you. That's right, Bright Simple. Come on, give them a hand. We praise God for you for being with us. And we pray that what God shall speak in the next few moments, these few destiny moments, will impact your heart and your mind for Jesus Christ. And that it will give you the strength and encouragement that you need to go on a little bit further. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, from the English Standard Version, reads like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, 
but have not love. I am a no noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But verse 13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We're going to talk to you from today and through this month. We're going to talk to you about love. And today I'm just going to come from the topic, the thought, the greatest of these. That's what the Bible says of, the, of all the things of hope and of faith, that love is the greatest of these. And we're going to break this down and talk about love in a few different ways. I want to talk to you about the origins of love. I want to talk about the requirements of love. And I want to talk to you about the liberty or the freedom of love, the origins of love, the requirements of love, and then the freedom of love. I want to talk to you about the origins of love because we know where love comes from. The Bible says, he that know, loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That is the origin of love. The origin of love is God. In fact, it's very elemental to who he is. God is not saying that God loves. It's saying that God is love. You can't know or be connected to God if you don't love others because that's elemental to who he is, that God is love. When I think about that, I think about us and sometimes in the things that we say, we say that we're Christian. And it's a lot easier to say you're Christian than to be Christian. We, we say we want to be like Jesus, but that's a lot easier in saying than it is in practice. We say we're followers of Jesus Christ, but to, to, for many of us, we only follow to a certain extent. We'll follow Jesus down certain paths, but then there are other paths that we're a little more tentative. And sometimes we let Jesus go by himself while we stay by the wayside because in our minds and in our human understanding and in our own way of thinking, we don't feel compelled to follow Jesus all the way. Saints used to sing the song, I'll follow Jesus all the way. We can't follow Jesus part of the way, but it is our responsibilities as Christians. We have to follow him all the way even into areas that to us may seem detrimental to how we think or in ways to us that just may seem not to make much sense. And what do I mean by that? Because Jesus tells us and requires of us, he says, pray for them and love them that hate you, that bless them, that curse you, 
my goodness. For those that despitefully use you, you're supposed to love and pray for them. That is not our human nature. I, I hope I have a few witnesses in here. That, that's not within our nature. Because our nature is like the Old Testament. It's eye for an eye. It's I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. I'll give of what I have as much as you'll give back to me. I'll pray for you as long as you don't act up or as long as you show that you're appreciative for what I'm doing. But if you don't appreciate what I'm doing, I'm going to stop doing it. Come on in here. If you don't show love or affection for me the way I show it for you, then I'm going to withdraw my love and my affection. Uh, if you're not hoping good things for me, baby, you can be for sure. I'm not hoping good things for you. That's our human nature. But I, I come to tell you, that's not like Christ. That's not following the example of Jesus. And, and, and in not doing so, not only are we not followers of Christ, but we're going to find ourselves in a category where we come to the day of judgment and God says, I know you not. I don't know you. I don't recognize you. I don't see who you are. Why? Because I don't see myself in you. And have you been there? Let, let, me, let me testify for, for Larry Jr. <laughs> When I was a child, there were times, and my mom's here, she's a witness. I didn't do things that lined up with what they asked me to do. And sometimes when you do this, I'm talking about a certain generation, the young folks don't understand this. But for a certain generation, if you did certain things, your parents will ask you the question, where did that come from? Someone might ask you, who are you right now? Because what they're saying is your actions don't line up with what I've taught you. You don't even resemble my child at this moment because you ought to know better. Do I have any know betters? <laughs> you grew up under the know better statutes. <laughs> you you, you should have knew better. You should do better. If you do, knew better, you ought to do better. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I grew up. So, so, so my parents would, would ask the question, who are you right now? Where, where, where did you get that from? Because the, the, the understanding implicit in that is that I didn't teach you that. I didn't give you that type of example. And they're saying, in, an es in essence, I don't even recognize you as my child right now. Because that's not how my child would behave. Follow me now. And, that, and that's, what, that's what God is saying. It, 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 we don't want to be there in the judgment day where God says, I don't recognize you because while you were living, you didn't behave the way that one of my children would behave. Okay, let me, go down, let me break it down a little further for you. I, I, I love my children, and, and, and I, I, can, I have to claim every single one of them. All three of them are definitely mine. They, they look like us. They sometimes, unfortunately, they act like us. My children have a tendency, they, they, they look, all three of them in, in some way kind of look alike. And they all have attributes of us. I'm going to try and go back to, to biology. In biology, I think they call it the Punit Square, but I might be incorrect. But it's a little square that has traits. And if you line up the mother and the father, the children will have certain traits from the mother or the father, whether they be dominant or recessive. 
And a lot of these traits that you see help you to understand that that's your child. And if you don't see any of these traits, you might begin to wonder, and you might have a few questions. Y'all not going to help me here. I'm trying to get y'all to understand this. I, I love my wife, but, but if my children came out with red hair, uh, you know, I'm the A and the B and the one plus, that's not adding up. I, I, I might have, come on in here, I might have a few questions. Uh, my eyes are brown, her eyes are brown. If they came out with blue eyes, you know, that's not adding up. I might, have, I might have a few questions. You know, I, I'm not short, but if my sons grow up to be seven foot tall, I might be looking at my wife, and I might have a few questions because that's not adding up. They're not possessing attributes of me, and I begin to wonder, do they belong to me? Are they truly mine? And let me get this. They might have T-shirts that say Christmas on the back. And they might eat my food and live at my house. But if those attributes don't match up, I'm beginning to wonder, do they really belong to me? And similarly, does God? God might have the same questions that I would have. Yes, they come to my house. They wear T-shirts with my name on it. But the way that they behave and their attributes don't line up with me. So I'm beginning to wonder, are they children, truly my children? Because the word says, my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger they will not heed. That's the attributes of one of my children. By these shall men know that you are my disciples because you have love one to another. If they don't have love one for another, I begin to question and ask, are they truly one of my children? Because if they're one of my children, they ought to love like me. God said you look like me when you love like me. That's what the Bible says. That's what the word is saying. I, by this shall you know. I, I know. I see it. I see yourself. I see myself in you when you love like I love. When you treat your neighbor the way that I have instructed you. Well, what, 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 how, how should we love our neighbor? Well, the, the, the Pharisees were trying to tempt Jesus. And when they, in tempting him, they asked him the question, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, you know the greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul. And he said, but there's a second one that's like it. Sometimes in, in, in law, you ask somebody a question and you want them to stop, but then they keep on talking. And that's what Jesus did. He said, yeah, I, that's what you wanted me to say. But he said, let me also add this. But there's a second one that is likened unto it. You should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what he's saying, and, and I, I believe me, even in my first initial interpretation and understanding of what the word is, uh, that, that I may have misinterpreted, but, but I, I begin to think from those being read together that not loving my neighbor compromises my love for God. But it's greater than that. It's more elemental than that. He's saying that you're fake. You're not real. If you don't love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you don't truly love me. 
It's not a corollary. It's not something where you say, well, if you do this, and hopefully you'll do that also. No, that's not the Bible is saying. It's saying that if you don't do this, then you're also not doing this. If you're not loving your neighbor as you love yourself, then you're not truly loving me. Because you cannot love what you don't understand. You cannot love that which you do not know. How can you love God, who is love, but then try and not pass that along to your neighbor? That's fundamental to who I am. What God is saying is, if you don't love your neighbor, put it this way, then you don't know me. It's more basic than that. It's not love me and if you can, if you get a chance, love your neighbor. No. It's saying if you don't love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you don't even know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know that love is essential to my nature because I am love. I am love. So when I am in you and when you know me and when you love me, loving your neighbor is just part of what you do. In fact, let me give you this. I'll take it to another level. It's not even hard for you. (laughs) It's not hard for you to love your neighbor as you love yourself if you really know me. If, if I'm truly in your heart, then it's not difficult because you're not loving them with your heart. You're loving them with my heart that I have placed within you. David said, create within me, Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. They said, when we become saved, behold, all things have become new. I'm not trying to love it within the confines of who I am, but I'm loving them like God loves it because God has poured his spirit. In me. So what I, a reflection of God is that I show love. A reflection of God is that I love my neighbor. A reflection of God is that I pray for them who do me wrong. Because it's not me, but it's not I, but it's the God that's working through me. The God that's working in me. My heart of itself, my sinful heart did not have the capacity to love the way that God wants me to love. But God has given me a new heart. That's what you told me. The God gave me a new heart. God has given me a new mind. The, the things I used to do, the things I used to say, the way I used to walk, I don't do that anymore because all things have become new. And because it is new, it is not difficult for me to show love for people who don't like me. Come on in here with me now. It's not hard for me to love people who I know are working against me. Uh, It's it's not difficult for me to continue to love people who are digging ditches on my behalf because I'm not loving them with my own heart, but I'm loving them with the heart and the spirit that God has placed in me because I can't do it by myself. And I need somebody to get that on this morning, point at somebody and say, you can't do it by yourself. You you, you can't... uh, I, I can't do it by myself. That's why the Bible says when, when I'm weak, then, then am I strong because I'm not trying to love them with my weak, sinful heart, but I'm loving them with the transplanted heart and spirit that God has placed within me. So it's no longer a struggle. It's not hard because I'm not trying to do it by myself. I'm trying to do it by myself because, you know, when I see them, I don't see my enemy. Uh, I don't see the person that's posting ugly things about me on Facebook. 
I, I don't see the people, the person who, who stops talking when I walk in the room. Uh, y'all, y'all help me now. I, I don't see the person who I know is actively working against me in this moment, but I see a child of God, a sinner that just simply needs God's grace because they are where I was. They're where I was. And I'm not too puffed up in how I think about myself because I see myself the way God sees me. And I see the, them the way that God wants them to be seen. That means when it says I pray for them, it's not hard for me to pray. It's not hard for me to include them in my prayers. Come on, keep it real now. Some of y'all, y'all won't pray for certain folks because you don't want good things to happen to them. Let, let's, 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 keep it, let's keep it 100. <laughs> you don't want good things to happen to them. You're not praying for good things to happen to them because you're not loving them the way God wants you to love them. Them. The, and the difficult part of this is not loving them like God wants you to love them. The first thing is recognizing that I need to adopt God's spirit into my heart so I can love them. I don't have God's spirit in my heart. I, I might need a refreshing. I might need another touch because if in my heart is struggling and straining and I'm losing sleep at night because I'm trying to love people with my sinful heart and I can't do it. But what I need to say is, Lord, replace my heart with yours. Lord, give me your spirit because with your spirit, I love different because I see different. I love different because I see different. And see, the thing is, you can't see with sinful eyes and expect to love with God's heart. <laughs> you can't look on people with sinful eyes, but then expect to love them with the heart of God. You have to look at them differently. You have to see them differently. I keep saying this, and I, and I want you to get it in your spirit and your heart. The person you think hates you the most. If they get God in them, they might be your best friend. And your godly heart and your godly eyes can see that even when they're actively working against you. And you can pray for them. You can pray for them. In the South, we often say, bless their heart, but we don't really mean it. But what we, when we say it, we all really mean it. Lord, bless their heart. Lord, you touch their mind. Lord, you draw the lines for them in favorable places because many times if they get God in their heart and they get satisfied with themselves, then they'll treat you better. They'll treat you better. But I want you to look at the converse of that. And we don't, sometimes we don't see it the opposite way. We can see how poorly people treat us because they don't love themselves, but we don't then understand the same is true for us. We don't treat people the way they should be treated if we don't have God in our heart. We're not treating them the way they should be treated. Come on now. I'm not talking. Uh, some, of you, you, some of you think you're treating them well because you didn't cuss them out. Well, I didn't cuss them out today. They better be glad. <laughs> And you're giving yourself credit because you didn't cuss them out. Well, baby, that might be progress, but you're not there yet. That's not loving them with the heart of God. Come on in here now. I, I, I just didn't go in there because I knew I would have acted a fool had I been in there. Baby, that, 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 that's progress. Somebody said that's progress. That's progress. But that's not loving them with the heart of God. 
I'm talking about praying that God do good things in their lives. I'm praying because the people that work against me, I'm saying, Lord, do great things in their life because they'll treat me better. Come on in here with me now. Lord you, Lord, you do great things for them so that they can see themselves better because our relationship will improve once they see you in their lives. Once they adopt the heart of God for themselves. And our problem is that we're missing our love for others and we're not loving others like we should because we miss out on the origins that God is love. And to truly have the ability to love others like we should, we need to stop trying to do it of our own fruition, of our own selves. And we need to adopt God's heart and God's spirit. We need to wake up in the morning, Lord, give me your heart and your spirit towards your people. And some of us need to pray that harder than others. depending on how many folks you deal with. I wish I had some help here this morning. Some of y'all have the beauty, the, the ability to work with machines, and you get mad at the machine, but baby, start working with people. And you're really going to have to pray a little bit harder once you start working. Come on in here now. Once you start working with folks, you might have to pray a little bit harder. The Lord put your heart and your spirit within me so not that I can love them, but Lord, help me love them the way that you love them. Help me see them the way that you see them. And let me tell you, that I'm talking about the origin, but, I, but, but we also talked about the requirements of love. That's what God requires of thee. He requires that of us. I told you that's not ancillary. That's not something extra. That's something that God requires of us. Because if we don't love others like he loves them, he tells us to love then we're not one of his children. We're not, we're not one of his children. We might as well be seven foot tall with red hair and blue eyes <laughs> because we're, we're not one of his children. We, we, don't, we don't reflect what God has put in us. God, when he breathed into Adam, he breathed his own spirit. The Ruah breath that he's breathed into Adam was part of his spirit. So when God sees us, God loves us and God embraces us because we ought to look like him because he has poured his spirit in us. And with his spirit, I can see you better. With his spirit, I can love you better. With his spirit, I can love them that hate me. I can pray for them that despitefully use me. I, I, I can bless them that curse me. Not with my own spirit, but with God's spirit. I can do it. Somebody point at your name and say, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You just need help, but you can do it. You can't do it by yourself, but you can do it. You can't do it with your own flesh, but with God's spirit operating in you, you can do it. You can be better. That's what I'm asking you to do today. And God's asking, you need to love better. Oh, come on, say that. Say, I need to love better. I need to love people better. I, I need to treat people better. I need to see people better. I need to adopt the heart of God in my life and in my spirit so that I can treat people the way that God wants me to treat them because God requires that of me. Come on, say it with me. Say, God requires that of me. It's not extra. You don't get extra credit for loving people. You're supposed to love. You don't get extra credit for loving people who work against you. You're supposed to. You don't get extra credit for blessing those who curse you. You're supposed to do that. And if we're honest, 
we could all be better. If we're honest, we could all do that better. If we're honest, we've fallen short of that in the past. And God can help us to be better. God can help us to do better because God requires that of us. He needs us to do it. In fact, we are derelict in our responsibilities when we don't do it. Not only are we derelict in our responsibilities, we also are impugning the name of God to call ourselves Christians and to treat people foul. We're, we're, we're walking on God's good name when we're cussing them out under our breath. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We're not, we're not walking in the path of God when we do that. And our failure to walk in that path is insolent. It impugns the name of God because then you do that in your heart and then you walk out and say, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. You can't sing I love the Lord and can't sing sing, I love Sister Sunshine. I love the Lord, but Sister Sunshine, she, she got one more time. And I'm about to tell her about herself. No, you can't sing that. You can't cuss out everybody in your division at work and then come on Sunday morning and say, I love God, love the Lord, and I lift my voice. No, you can't do that. That, that, that. that is impugning the name of God because that's not how God loves if I love God, then God has instructed me on the way that I should love. And you know what also part of loving is? Part of love is giving. Mm. I'm really going to disturb some spirits right here. Love, part of love is giving. Point at somebody and say, part of love is giving. It's giving. Because some of y'all know that y'all have had some stuff that you could have given people, but because you don't like them, you didn't give it to them. Don't raise your hand. We've all done it. It's human nature. Things that you had that you could have given, but you didn't give because you didn't like them. Or you were mad at them or that you were upset with them. But part of loving is giving. I say that the Bible says that faith without works is dead, being alone. I always say that love without giving is insignificant. Because anybody you love, you have no problem giving to them. Anybody you love. I don't mean they act right. I don't mean they act right. You love them, so you give. Because some of y'all got grown kids, and you know they ain't acted right. But you keep giving. They need some help, you keep giving. They get in, they get in jail, you got bail. You, you scrapping together some bail money. You getting another lien on your house. Come on in here now, y'all. Keep, 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 we're keeping it 100 today. <laughs> you mortgaging your future to get your baby out of jail, not because they acted right, but because you love them. You love them. And I'm not saying mortgage your house for your enemies. That's not the lesson here. But what I'm saying is that you do give. You give those who even do you wrong because you love them. They need $20 and you got $20. You give them $20. Boy, it's got real quiet right here. It's gonna be, you don't have to turn the mic up today, son. It's going to reverberate all around this place. You got $20 and you, you can give them 20 you, but you withhold it because you don't like them. 
But part of loving is giving. Talk to me. Say, part of loving is giving. It's giving. And what I always say is when you give, in all of your giving, I don't care what you get, I don't care if it's one dime. In all my giving, I'm going to give as unto the Lord. So if they act hateful, I, I gave it as unto the Lord. If they don't say thank you, I did it as unto the Lord. If they talk about me after I did it, I'm still going to be blessed because I gave it as unto the Lord because that's what the Lord requires of me. Requires of me. He doesn't, because if I give only to the people who give, me, give back unto me, Jesus said, so that's what the sinners do. The sinners do that. Sinners, if you, you, you give something because you know they're going to give you back, sinners do that. That doesn't show, get this, again, we're going back to the origin, that doesn't show that you belong to me. Giving when someone gives you back does not show that you belong to me. But giving to those who work against you, those who hurt you, giving to those who cannot return the favor, that's what God requires of us what he requires of us. Some of y'all, we talk about this, you'd rather give your tithes than give to those people. <laughs> but but, that, but that's, what, that's what he's talking about. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men pour into your bosoms. They're talking about giving generally. They're talking about giving in love. They're talking about giving to your neighbor, not only of your treasures, but of your time. But sometimes we withhold because we feel a certain way about a person. And I'm telling you, you're operating in your flesh and not in your spirit. And God is not pleased. And you can't do that and say I'm a Christian because you're not walking like Christ. It is required of us. The final thing I want to share with you, and I'm finished. I told you we talked about the origin of love. We talked about the requirements of love. And finally, I want to talk to you about the freedom of love, the freedom of love, because love will make you free. When you, when you give your love freely, it, it is a freeing sensation in your heart. One of the things, you want to raise your blood pressure, hold on to hate for somebody. You want to be in bad physical shape, you want your blood pressure to always be high, your sugar go up, your heart be out of rhythm. It's when you try to hold on to hate for somebody. Because you don't have permission to hate them. God desires that you love them. And let me tell you this, because I know somebody's out there saying, but uh, pastor, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what they did. But you know what I love about Corinthians, and I'm going back here. The writer here in Corinthians removes all exemptions that we might have for love. He removes all exemptions that we might have for loving people. You know what? He, start, he starts with the sanctimonious exemption. Because some of y'all think y'all so saved and so special, y'all don't have to love everybody. I've been saved this long. I speak in many unknown and known tongues. I, I, give, I have given to the church so much, and I've given of myself so much, that I'm exempt from this love requirement. Let me take it back to the Word. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm like a, a, a sounding br brass and clanging cymbal. 
Okay, let me speak to the prophets. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, here's my faith, folks, if I have all faith that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. No matter how many tongues you know, I need you to love me in English. Come on now. All these prophecies that you know, I need you to prophesy to me in love. All this knowledge that you have doesn't matter. You can, you can have the Bible memorized from the beginning to the end. But you're nothing if you can't love me. You can't love me. It doesn't matter. So there is no exemption of being so sanctimonious and deep and knowledgeable and prophetic and, and, and having all of this faith if you can't love me because it means nothing. Somebody say nothing. Not even in my giving. Listen to what it says in verse 3 about what giving. If I give away all I have. It says all. Somebody say all. If I give away all I have. And even deliver my body. I, I, I'm sacrificing my own body to be burned, but I have nothing, not love. I gain nothing. It profits me nothing. None of these things that I can do in my giving, in my faith, in my prophecy, in my knowledge, in the, in the understand, interpretation of, 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 of prophecies, and even in the speaking of tongues, none of this exempts me from loving. And you know, we always try and find exemptions, but, but, but what if they give on, get on my nerves? Love is patient. What if they're mean to me? Love is kind. What if they have more stuff than I have? I don't have to give them. Love does not envy or boast. Oh, oh but, but, but sometimes they, they just get on my nerves, but love is not arrogant and love is not rude. Ah. Uh. So just because they rude to you <laughs> does not give you permission to be rude to them because you're the one saying you're Christian. I don't know what they're saying, but you said, point at somebody and say, you said you're Christian. So you're not arrogant and you're not rude. You're not acting like you're better than somebody. You're not like the Pharisee that stands on the corner and, and says, uh, Lord, I, I bring all my tithes and all my offerings and, I, and I, I'm always in service and I'm not like this lowly publican. You're not arrogant and you're not rude because you possess love. Love is not something you do. Love is part of who you are because God is love. You don't exercise these things because you have the love of God in you. And sometimes, baby, you, you grown, you need to stop waiting for somebody to check you and you need to check yourself. I'm being a little arrogant right now. I need to check myself. Been a little rude right now. I need to check myself. I'm being a little haughty and mean right now. I need to check myself because God is love. And I'm not exemplifying the attributes of God and, and exemplifying that I know who God really is. Because when I do that, God, think of God looking at you and God's like, where did you get that from? You didn't get that from me. I don't know you right now. You know how they say that in a relationship. I don't know you right now. That's what God's saying to us. 
when we act in ways that are not indicative and emblematic of him, God's saying, I don't know you right now. Cussing that person out, I don't know you right now. Being arrogant to you think you're better than somebody, I don't know you right now. You being rude, uh, but, 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 like the child, but, but God, they were rude to me. God said, you my child. And just like when you get in a fight at school and your parents came and you said, but, but mama, they did it. I ain't they mama. I'm your mama. I'm holding you accountable for what you did. And God is saying, because you belong to me, I'm holding you accountable for how you behave. And when it don't look like me, you're not showing that you have the love of God working in your heart. It says that God, look at this. Love is not a bully. Love does not insist on its own way. Get love is not irritable. Ooh, because some of y'all got short fuses. Oh, don't say pastor. I'm reading the word. <laughs> This is, this is 1 Corinthians 13. It's not, it's not Larry one and nothing. That's <laughs> what the word says. Love is not irritable. Some of y'all are so easily agitated. One thing go wrong and you're ready to blow up. And tell, it's like you got a script. You've been waiting to tell them about themselves. You got a list of things you've been wanting to say. She look at you wrong. Like, Psh, girl, I've been waiting to say this. It's not irritable. It's not easily moved to anger. It's not super sensitive. Come on now. Somehow somebody look at you a certain way at church, you don't come back for three Sundays. <laughs> oh, it's getting even quieter. It's not, you're not irritable. It's not easily provoked. You're not easily set off because we're not talking about your sinful heart. We're talking about that heart being replaced with the heart of God. God's heart is working in you. It, I'll get that. I'm about to get ahead of myself. It, oh, I'm, I'm coming down somebody's street right here. It's not resentful. It's not hateful. It's not resentful. It, it, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Oh, we have a, we have, this element of social media has taken us to another level. It's like we get, we get excited when somebody gets caught up in stuff. Girl, did you see they did that? Oh, yeah, how quiet it is. Girl, did you see they did that? Y'all reposting and sharing and screenshotting and sending to other people? Because it's almost like you're excited about somebody else doing the wrong thing. Love does not rejoice in that. Love does not want that. Love does not desire that. That's not love. And God's looking at you when you're doing it. And he's saying, who are you right now? Because you're not acting like my child. You're not acting like you belong to me. Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but what? It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. 
We're talking about the liberty and the freedom of love. That means love is able to handle some things that ordinarily you wouldn't be able to handle by yourself. But because love is able to bear things that I can't bear by myself. But I'm going to continue to love. Says so love believes all things. I, 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 I'm believing not only things for myself, but guess what? I'm leave, believing things for other people. I'm believing things for those who even do me wrong. And it says love hopes all things and love endures all things. So no matter how mad they get it, you, you get, no matter how bad you, they treat you, you still love them. You still love. Some of y'all are like, baby, they got one more, one more thing. They on strike two. They do one more thing. That's it. That's it. They, they drop one more straw on my burden, and that's it. I'm not, not going to love them anymore. But that's not what the Bible says. That's what our flesh says. Our flesh can only endure so much, but God's saying, I'm giving you the power to love through some things. <laughs> and I wish I had a witness in here. Some power to love through some things. Just like you can love little nut nut going, going to jail. And you still love that little child look like his daddy. And you still finding that bail money so you can get him out. You can love your neighbor who spoke against you. You can love that person who, who speaks evil of you and tries to dig ditches for you. You know why? Because when you love, love will bring things back to your remembrance. They tried to do it, but they failed. <laughs> Fret not thyself because of evildoers and, or workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. David said later in that passage in Psalm 37, he said, he said, God, you're going to break the arms of those who are trying to grab me, who are trying to touch me, who are trying to offend me because God is in control of this and love reminds me of this. I'm not mad at them at grabbing weapons because love reminds me that no weapon that's formed against me shall, shall prosper. And sometimes we, we, we act as if the weapon will not form. Yes, it will form, but it will not prosper. It may be formed, it may be built, it may be shot in my direction, but it will not prosper because God is working on my behalf. So my love can endure their hurt. My love can endure their intentions because I know that God, he's got me. I know that God loves. And see, the freedom of love, and I'm finished. The freedom of love is like this. They tried to hurt me, but first of all, I'm going to believe Good things are coming out of this. I'm believing that even if I suffer through this trial, that God is bringing something out of this. God is working something more powerful out of this. And they just might be a conduit that leads me to what God is trying to take me anyway. Sometimes you need some people to agitate things in your life. You, you, you need people to agitate the status quo because sometimes in agitating that thing, uh, they're pushing you to where God desires you to go. So even when they try to work against me, I still love them. When they try to hurt me, I love them. When they try to work against me, I still love them. Everyone standing to your feet. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for his word on this morning. Give God some praise.
I'm reminded of the story of Abram when he went out with his nephew Lot. And when they got to a certain place, God told them that the, the land, all the, the land from where he can see even to the horizon belonged to him. That's what God spoke to Abram. But then he divided a portion of that to Lot. And he asked Lot, he said, what do you desire? And of course, Lot chose the best land, the land that was closest to the river, the land that was the most fertile. And then Abram took that which was left. He loved God enough to know that whatever he chooses, God's still going to take care of me. <laughs> God's still going to take care of me. And sometimes the reasons we, we, we withhold our love and we withhold giving, it's as if in our hearts we forget that God is going to provide for us. Nobody has the power to take away from you that what God has provided. Nobody has the authority to take from you that which God has provided. I don't have to be jealous over what they have or over what they're trying to get because my God, he'll provide for me. I don't have to fight for it. I don't have to cry over it. I don't have to lose sleep over it because I know my God, he will provide. Somebody point at somebody and say, God will provide for you. I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to be envious. I don't have to lose sleep. I don't have to fight over it. I don't have to develop anxiety or, or fall into depression because I know my God, he will provide for me. I will be provided for. I don't have to fight you over that. If God said it's mine and it's mine. So that means I can love the folks who are fighting against me because God's still going to provide for me. I, I, I don't have to be angry over the people who are trying to take from me because I know my God, he will, he will provide. And maybe the struggle is just a test. Point at somebody and say the struggle is just a test. The struggle. <laughs> the struggle is just a test. That's what God did to Abram when he, when he told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. But then he took the one son that he had and he said, I want you to take him up to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him unto me. Abraham wasn't afraid because he knew that some way that God would provide. So what did Abraham say? He took him up to the mountain. And when Isaac got to the point, he was like, Dad, I, I see the, the wood. He, he, he said, I see everything else. He said, but I don't see a sacrifice. And Abraham, Abraham said to his son Isaac, he said, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. And I came to tell somebody today, the Lord will provide for himself so that's why he named the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. When you have Jehovah Jireh in your mind and in your heart, I, I, I'm not fighting, I'm not angry, I'm not worried, I'm not hating anybody because whatever I need, the Lord, he will provide. I don't have to fight you over this. You can have what God promised you and I'm still gonna have what he promised me because the Lord, he will provide. You believe God will provide. Put those hands together and give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah.
Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word that instructs our heart to love like you would have us to love, to not be envious, Lord, Lord, to not be jealous, Lord, Lord, that love will be, give us, bring us liberty. Love will bring us freedom in our heart and in our mind. Love will instruct us and teach us how to, feed, to treat our neighbors and our fellow man. And not love them the way that our sinful heart tries to love, but love in the way that only you can have us love. And Lord, we say we love you, but if we love you, then we embody the essence of you in loving those who are around us. Help us and instruct us to be better neighbors, to be better Christians, to love others the way that you've taught us to love. And Lord, for all of these things and for all of your blessings, we claim them right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together for those who've been watching us online. We pray that God bless you and that you live in the love of God until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.